It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Scano Sego Ani Bojo Kwekwe Tansi. Good morning and welcome to Moment of Truth. I am your host, David Moses, and you are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 rather in Ottawa. And you can also be listening on your choice of device if you have downloaded the Radio Player Canada app. And if you haven't, you can. You can let people know that they can listen anywhere across the country by downloading the Radio Player Canada app and typing in 95.7 ELMNTFM or 106.5 ELMNTFM. And as I say, uh, anyone can listen uh, anywhere they like on their device of choice across the country. And of course, you can also listen on our website. And you can also go and hear our previously recorded podcasts of Moment of Truth that are up on our website at any time. So if someone has missed something, you can let them know that they can go there and uh, listen to that anytime they would like. Our guests today on Moment of Truth are going to be very interesting. Our first guest is Coralie McGuire-Siret, and she is the Executive Director of the Ontario Native Women's Association. We're going to be speaking with her very briefly, but before I introduce her, we're going to play something. But I also want to let you know about the second half of the show. We have a couple of people coming into the studio, and they are Kim Wheatley, and she is the Artistic Director of the Indigenous Arts Festival. And also we'll have Cheryl Blackman, and she is a festival organizer, and that is to do with the Indigenous Festival coming up this weekend at Fort York in in Toronto. But as you know, it's getting into summertime, so I'm sure that uh, there are festivals going on everywhere. So a lot of the stuff that you're going to be hearing about, I'm sure, is going to be applicable even to your area if you can't get into the Toronto area for this great festival. Anyway, let's get to it. As I mentioned, our first guest is Coralie McGuire-Siret, and she is the executive director of the uh, 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 Ontario Native Women's Association. We're going to play you a clip from a recent video that they put out uh, on their website. So you can go and catch this if you'd like. Uh, but this uh, has Cora in the video. So it talks about many of the things we're going to be talking about. So we're going to play that for you right now and be right back. The Ontario Native Women's Association acknowledges the stories and the truths of uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. And we acknowledge the stories of survivors and the knowledge keepers who have shared all of their wisdom with us over these years and during this process. And through that acknowledgement, we are committed to, to changing the story, to changing the dialogue, and to begin the process of healing at an individual level, at a community level, and a systems change level. The Ontario Native Women's Association has uh, recognized uh, a direct connection between uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls and uh, human trafficking that's going on across communities as a result of the targeted violence against Indigenous women due to their race and their gender. We've heard from survivors, from human trafficking survivors from all across the province on what they want to see changed and what they need to see uh, implemented for the future. And they've told us what it's like to be missing but not missed. We acknowledge that this report is not going to be bringing back the community's loved ones. It's not going to bring back Indigenous women who are no longer here. But the report is one tool that we have in order to prevent further missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. And we really want to acknowledge the families that have chosen to participate in this process. We also want to acknowledge the families that chose not to participate in this process, to acknowledge them with this report and to begin to work with them as uh, as leaders for change. We're going to take this report forward and to begin to implement it across our organization and set it as a priority 
and begin working and breaking down silos and breaking down barriers and begin looking at the systems that have created the issues uh, that are the foundation for why we're here today. Uh, we need to begin to look at how we, we work together. We have to rebuild our relationships in community as agencies, um, as community members and as systems. Uh, systems change needs to happen now. We can't make excuses anymore of not knowing or not knowing what to do. We are calling on leaders across communities, across Canada, uh, to begin to take this report and to look at how are they going to implement something in their community. Healing moving forward is going to be our focus. And the voice you just heard was that of Coralie mcguire Siret. She is the executive director of the Ontario Native Women's Association, and she is on the phone with us from Fort William First Nation up in the Thunder Bay area. Morning and welcome to the show, Coralie. Thank you for joining us. Oh, good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure. Um, now, of course, you touched on a lot of things there. Of course, the, the, the most uh, recent is the, the release of the, uh, of the report for missing and, and murdered Indigenous uh, women and girls. Um, but before we get to some of those things, I'm wondering for people that may not know about uh, the Ontario Native Women's Association, can you give us a little bit of background on it? Definitely. We are actually um, one of the oldest um, Indigenous women's organizations in Canada. Uh, we've been around since 1971, um, and we started off as a grassroots movement um, in order to speak. Uh, women needed a space to speak to the issues they were facing because uh, through colonization and uh, discrimination and racism and everything else, um, women realized that they needed to gather together and have a space where they can speak to the issues that they were facing, such as uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, uh, uh, sex discrimination within the Indian Act. And so through that movement, um, Indigenous women came together and said, you know, we need to, to work together um, in order to address these issues uh, and begin to make change. And so uh, through the years, ONWA has evolved into now providing uh, services uh, to Indigenous women and their children across the province of Ontario. Last year alone, we we worked with and supported uh, 10,000 um, people here in Ontario. And so we've been really wo- working on and focusing on what women tell us is uh, the issues they're facing in communities right now in Ontario. And so one of them is around... Uh, addressing human trafficking, um, addressing violence, family violence, addressing child welfare, um, just as as a mandated agency towards uh, focusing in on Indigenous women's issues, um, we we have to focus. We don't have a choice on which issues we get to focus in on or not. Uh, we have to focus in on what the truth is and what women are telling is happening uh, on the ground in communities across Ontario, and because uh, here in Ontario. Not sure if uh, everyone realizes or knows that Ontario has the highest population of Indigenous women in Canada, of 194,000 uh, Indigenous women here in Ontario, and so we we really are unique as a community. And so On was here to to work with the women and uh, focused on empowerment, focused on safety, and begin building, uh, working with the women to build a new future um, that has hope and safety and our values restored. I'm guessing as, as it is an Ontario-based uh, organization that you then has, have offices in many parts of the province. Yes, yes. We do currently have offices uh, in, in Toronto, uh, 
in um, Timmins, in Sulacote, in Kenora, uh, really vast. And we also have our our organizations and our memberships. And so we do have a number of Aboriginal shelters who are members of our of our organizations, as well as grassroots women councils across. Because they recognize in restoring what's been lost through colonization is restoring Indigenous women's leadership across the province and that we need to invest in women in community and because women have been doing this work for generations upon generations. Right. Now, um, in what you just said there, uh, I'm just, I was looking at your website earlier and, and looking at the vision and mandate of the organization uh, and, of course, you touched on some of that stuff in terms of the vision. Uh, Anwa will support women to take up their leadership roles in the family and in the community. It will support women's leadership. To do that, we have to ensure that their voices are heard. They start by listening to each other first. I'm, I'm wondering if you can, can uh, give an example, perhaps, of some of the things that you've noticed over the years in terms of what Anwa has uh, dealt with in either ongoing issues that are persistent that you're still battling with and, and means seems to be you know difficult to get through maybe and also some successes. Hello, hello. Issues that we're always uh, facing is addressing uh, violence, mm. um, you know, family violence, and so you know, uh, recognizing that. Um, you know, violence has become normalized with Indigenous women due to the, their race and their gender. Uh, so we always have to remember that when looking at, um, a lot of times people ask why Indigenous women, you know, there's this perception that focusing in on Indigenous women is going to take away from other people in the community. And that's not true. Uh, focusing in on Indigenous women is uh, just a starting place. And, you know, it's one area where... Uh, we need to begin to work because we recognize that when women are are healthy and well and cared for and are safe, um, they raise our children and our future generations. Uh, you know, when they're supported and safe, uh, they're able to take up their leadership role in the community and to begin that community movement for change. And um, one issue we're always facing is always having to... Um, to speak to that point of why focus in on Indigenous women. And, uh, you know, one, there was a a quote, and I can't remember by who, but it's like when you focus on everyone, you focus on no one. <laughs> uh, and so we really need to make sure that we don't, you know, are always doing this pan approach, because when you do a pan approach, um, you're not getting any movement. You're not going to be able to show any outcomes. You're not going to be able to show um, any movement at all because you're too busy trying to, uh, appease everyone instead of really making space for everyone. Uh, so, you know, when we, for an example, is the work that we do around human trafficking because we recognize um, what's the truth. You know, when we're looking at what is the truth here in Ontario, what's the truth in Canada regarding human trafficking? Well, um, you know, there's an issue with statistics, but statistically speaking, and reports and everything that we know in community is that a large portion of Indigenous women. Are um, are being targeted for human trafficking. You know they're not vulnerable; they're being targeted. And so, uh, a success from that work, I guess you can say, because we we did take a stance to say, no, we're going to be focusing in and addressing this issue. Uh, so we met with women across uh, the province. We met with survivors um, 
to see what we can begin to do and what we can begin to work on as a starting place. And so as a result, we created um, and piloted a crisis response program to address human trafficking in Thunder Bay. And uh, so last year alone, um, we were able to help uh, 11 women safely exit from human trafficking. Uh, This year, the number is now up to 30. And so Mm -hmm. it really goes to show that uh, we can make community change when we stay focused and we begin somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so when you you, t- you take a look at um, issues such as missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls and, you know, the need to, and where that came from, and came from, like, the grassroots community, came from women holding space for each other and saying that there was something going on. There was too many people in community that uh, just went missing and nobody was looking for. Um, and it, it also came from the brave woman and who sta- stood up, and when no one would believe them that this was happening, they continued to advocate, they continued to do walks uh, across Canada, they continued to remember uh, the women that were uh, murdered and they didn't receive justice for. Um, women didn't wait for a national inquiry. They began to do the healing work that was needed so we can continue to to build on the children that were left behind. And so I really have to acknowledge the brave Indigenous women that came uh, before me and are still in community as leaders um, speaking out about family violence because that's something that we've been hearing is what needs to be reclaimed as our voices. Um, and we need to be able to reclaim that voice in a good way and speak our truth of what we're, we're seeing out there. And that's one of the pieces I've really seen uh, great success in communities where Indigenous women have reclaimed their voice and are beginning that healing journey. Um, you know, there was a, one woman had told me, you know, that her um, trauma wasn't her fault, but her healing's her responsibility. And it, mm-hmm. it really set the the direction on what we need to do as an agency, which is focusing on the healing that now needs to go occur. Uh, you said some things there that uh, jumped out at me um, and and leave me uh, just almost speechless because I you said one the first thing you said was that by focusing in on women it would take away from other things and and that just, I just can't fathom hearing that I I just can't believe someone would say that I don't know who said that but. Uh, I certainly can't. I, I'm surprised to hear that someone would say that. I, I just, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know what to say to that. Maybe you want to elaborate. But the other thing that you mentioned was that no one was looking for these women. And that that just rips my heart out to hear that. Yeah, we spoke with, um, uh, you know, we're looking at like, uh, some of the families and what they've said is that, you know, the families were looking and searching and and getting, you know, historically um, getting services to to believe you. And uh, that's one, one part that we had heard consistently is that um, just the lack of disbelief uh, surrounding the violence that Indigenous women are facing, um, I guess it is so, it's because it has become normalized in that, you know, the the victim blaming that does occur, um, you know, especially around sexual violence, right? Uh, that, uh, you know, for instance, you know, drinking is not a crime, but rape is a crime. Mm. You know, we have to change the way that we 
we think um, here in in our communities, and we have to begin to really look at taking up our responsibilities to uh, one stand beside and support uh, Indigenous women and that we need to change our, our thinking and rebuild as a community. Uh, we really do need to start looking at what is the truths that are out there that we really don't want to, to know or see um, because that's the starting basis, right? We have to be educated. You know, ignorance is no longer uh, an excuse for the level of violence that's occurring. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we're, we're talking a little bit about, um, you know, the rates against... Uh, the rates of violence against non-racialized women um, have decreased over the years due to the investment um, in services for them. And so it does go to show that when you invest in uh, in women in addressing the, the violence and you provide uh, places for healing, you provide places for safety, uh, statistically that the violence does uh, begin to decrease where we can actually do something about this. Uh, once we change our mentality over why the violence is happening, why it's occurring, and you know that you know Indigenous women are part of our community, they're part of our circle, and they're the center. Um, you know we have to look at. You know we talk a lot about ownership. Um, you know ownership and jurisdiction over women and children, that's part of that colonial thinking. Mm. And, you know, we can't own anyone besides um, once you begin to own, that's creating and grooming uh, women and children for human trafficking. And so, you know, she's got a right to own her body and her and um, her destination and where she wants to go. And and we need to really take a step back and, and look at what's going on and the way we've been doing things and, you know, Look at how are we going to start to to move forward towards healing. Mm. Um, again, you've you've mentioned some things in there, and, and I'm glad you acknowledged women, the other women that have come before you, and the strength and the leadership of those women. I appreciate that you did that. You know, um, I think that it's very important, like you were saying, healthy women uh, to have a healthy uh, woman. Uh, and healthy women population, as we all know, uh, many of the indigenous uh, communities and nations are matriarchal based, uh, and so it, it is the women that that have the uh, the final say in, in many instances on many things in a matriarchal society. Yeah, because when you look at um, you know responsibilities, like those original teachings and responsibilities, it was you know um, the you know the woman's responsibility to provide teachings the children of, you know, identity, of who we are, um, you know, that was one part. And it was, um, you know, the community that also supported women. You know, we've become siloed in our thinking over and very uh, individual-based as opposed to community-based. And so we need to reclaim our community. We need to rebuild those relationships that were disrupted due to... um, due to violence, due to everything else that's occurred, because uh, that's when the healing begins. So when communities begin to say, you know what, we're going to say no to violence and we're going to begin to do this work, because they have the knowledge there. Mm. Um, you know, and when it doesn't have to be perfect, but when communities decide to say, okay, let's start somewhere, let's begin by first acknowledging that the violence is here and what are we going to do to prevent it in our community. Um, and that's part of, you know, when you're looking at trauma and you're looking at 
um, healing and where do you begin? You begin with relationships. You begin to realize that you're you're interconnected. Um, that you know violence that's happening, let's say next door to you or with one of your loved ones, and you don't know what to do. Um, you know, there's plenty of tools out there to help you begin to address that violence and make sure that you know there is uh, community involvement in there, that it's not separate from you. You are actually part of the solution. Mm. So we have to look at, um, there's an intersectional uh, intersectionality that's going on here, that all of these issues are not siloed. It's not um, human trafficking as its own issue, uh, the violence, the housing crisis. Um, all of these here, they're all connected and you have to you can't look at one without looking at the other and so you have to begin to say okay where what's really going on here and why these issues are occurring and you know you're looking at the root causes and the root causes for indigenous women is because of her race and her sex and so and her gender i mean not sex and so when you're looking at that that racialized women are targeted due to their race and their gender mm. Uh, Cora, we have to take a pause for a moment, but please stay on the line. Don't go away, and don't uh, you, the listener, go away. We will be right back here on Element FM and Moment of Truth after these messages. We're back on Moment of Truth and Element FM. You're listening in Toronto and Ottawa. I'm your host, David Moses. On the line from Fort William First Nation, we have the Executive Director of the Ontario Native Women's Association, Coralie McGuire-Siret. We want to thank her once again for joining us on the show. And we've been talking about uh, many issues facing Indigenous women and uh, some of the things that the Ontario Native Women's Association uh, is helping with in terms of dealing with uh, women's issues and Indigenous women's issues specifically. And one of the things she, uh, Cora, mentioned was uh, human trafficking. Um, Cora, I'd, I'd like to ask you about... Uh, briefly about the uh, when the report came out for uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, uh, wh- what were your thoughts on on when that came out and the and the wording and choice of words used uh, to 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 that uh, to that report? Yeah, for sure. I believe that um, you know when the report came out, uh, we recognize um, the families that chose to participate in the process, and we also recognize that the families that chose not to participate in the process. Mm. And so, you know, the report itself is one tool of many on addressing violence and addressing human trafficking. And, you know, for us, we've been, uh, you know, here in Ontario, we've had, I believe, probably about six different summits to end violence against Indigenous women since 2007. So over that eight-year period, uh, we we met with over 1,000 women uh, that came up with 500 recommendations here in Ontario alone. And so, you know, we do recognize that uh, the calls for justice is, you know, one of the tools that gave, gave woman, some woman voice. And so we do have to honour and acknowledge that not all voices are included in, in this report. Mm. And so, you know, the, the work that um, we've been doing is, you know, we're still analysing the calls for justice and looking at uh, for that Ontario response and what's, you know, is there any alignment um, that supports some of the calls that we can look at um, implementing. Uh, but for what's needed first, though, is it means that we need to look at how are we going to start to do in the healing work. And um, one part that was a missed opportunity in the report is to really highlight 
the best practices that are out there mm. um, in order to provide um, an opportunity to build capacity in communities that haven't done this mm. work yet or are looking for solutions on how to implement, you know, a, um, an actionable item. And so that's what we're focusing in on right now is really looking at that community development and uh, helping communities, you know, look at what vision they want to have in their community, um, you know, what calls do they want to do, which ones apply to them. And so we do have to mean, like, in the implementation of it, you know, this uh, this national action plan and committee uh, needs to be... Um, ran by uh, Indigenous women leaders, um, you know, that have been doing this work now. Uh, we need, you know, they've been doing the work for how many years, you know, unsupported, uh, lack of uh, investment in them. And so now we need to look at, you know, you know, for instance, here in Ontario, we have Aboriginal shelters. You know, there's 31 Indigenous shelters uh, that support women. Um, you know, the work of Indigenous women's organizations across the province is hasn't had the investment uh, like other service delivery agencies. And so what we're seeing now is that when you invest in um, a community, when you invest in women, that's where the change begins to happen and we can begin to move forward. And the, um, you know, ONWA was able to bring forward the voices of human trafficking survivors uh, in this process to ensure that their voices were included at the beginning because that's what woman had said was going to be missing and needed to be a part because there is a connection between chronic missing persons reports and uh, potential human trafficking. Mm. And that many survivors of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls are also trafficking survivors. Mm. And so there, you know, once again, there's that intersectionality and uh, the need for, you know, a sexual violence action plan uh, to begin to unnormalize this behavior and say that, you know, violence against Indigenous women needs to stop today and let's begin to do that work. Right. Um, now, you mentioned best practices, that, that that was a missed opportunity for this. And and I'm I'm guessing that there, uh, there, are, there are a number of places that people can go to find those best practices if they're, if they're trying to seek out something. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, there's many uh, Indigenous organizations here in Ontario um, who provide support and services uh, to Indigenous people, and Ontario has um, been investing in the community. I know not um, every province and jurisdiction has a level of services that we have here in Ontario. Like, you know, for instance, you know, some of our membership organizations, um, you know, they've been helping women uh, get their children back from uh, child welfare agencies and doing that family uh, reunification again. And so we have to, you know, stay focused on that. Um, you know, I I do have concern that the report and the media, you know, focusing on, you know, the issue of genocide, you mm-hmm. know, has been a distraction. Sure. Um, you know, so this whole conversation over is it genocide, is it not, you mm-hmm. know, uh, we could have just built on, you know, the TRC report, which already has it, and it's already there, but, you know, we're focused, this this distraction is preventing us from getting the work done and focusing in on implementation and action. Now, when you say implementation and action, something you, you mentioned in that video earlier, I think you said something about systems change. Is that what, what I heard you say, something to that effect? Yes, we have to look at uh, removing barriers to accessing services. 
you know, that many of the women that we've been talking to, you know, there's so many uh, points that prevent them from accessing services. You know, the first part is believing the woman. You know, when a and I'm, one of the issues that we've been hearing about is that when an Indigenous woman goes to um, any of the systems, let's say the healthcare system or the child welfare system or the justice system, you know, uh, a lot of times she's not believed in her story of what she, of her experiences. And, you know, to begin to look at a system change, we have to start by believing them, you know, and that this is where that intervention and uh, prevention can come in earlier as opposed to later. Uh, we have to look at um, making sure that we're meeting their needs and they're not meeting our needs. You know, mm-hmm. so when you're when you're ex- doing a lot of expectations on on women, what are you doing to help her? Uh, it's interesting to hear what you just said. We, we have to um, we we have to meet their needs, not our needs. And when you say about these women falling through the cracks and not meeting a certain criteria or whatever it is, or people not being believed, I'm wondering how much of of that is based on the fact that you know people are just ticking off boxes or whatever, and and not you know not and just trying to do their job rather than actually take into the fact that, that these are human beings and, and that these systems do need to change and, you know, they're not, uh, they're not open to that, perhaps. Yep, so you have to have, um, you know, we, we call on services to have a trauma-informed approach, um, and not from a mainstream medical mm-hmm. perspective of trauma, but from that Indigenous knowledge of trauma and recognizing um, that as a, a service provider, um, we are not community members, and we need to be leaders. When when someone takes on a role and decides to, to work in a service delivery agency, whether that's frontline emergency crisis um, response services, you have to recognize um, and be knowledgeable in trauma in order to support people. Like, you have to, you know, don't be judgmental. Uh, don't judge them of their story and what they're telling you. You know, don't be judgmental of you know, mental health or addiction issues that that's all related back to trauma. So when you have that knowledge, then you can begin to build a relationship um, and begin to to um, empower her to do her healing journey. You know, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you're not um, doing the journey for her because that's, you know, enabling. You have to look at how to walk with her on that sure. journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she gets to pick the journey, not you. Right. Yeah, that that of course makes perfect sense. Um, now uh, you just mentioned something about leaders, and of course you you yourself are a leader in the organization that you uh, that you represent as the uh, Ontario Native Women's Association. A- am I correct that you, if I've got this right, you're Bingui Niashi Anishinaabek? Is that correct? Something like that. Yes, yes, that's correct. I'm from Bingui Niashi Anishinaabek. And whereabouts is that? Uh, it's about an hour and a half from Thunder Bay, and um, you know, our, there's lots of community connections, and you know, that's uh, you know, one part of my identity is uh, my community connection to uh, Sandpoint First Nation, and you know, that's where my my grandmother came from, mm. and so part of me honoring my grandmother is to always acknowledge her and her community, and um, hearing the stories of that area, and. But I also have ancestors all around the 1850 treaty area. Uh, you know, my ancestors were at the signing of the 1850 treaty, and um, you know, I always have to honor and acknowledge uh, their story because they've they paved the path for us to be able to do this work here today. 
uh, you know, there was, I couldn't even imagine uh, the times that they had uh, where a lot of Indigenous people uh, were not proud of their identity. And so now we're able to talk openly about, you know, our culture, our ceremonies, our practice, um, and, you know, begin to decolonize ourselves by uh, acknowledging, like, who we are and beginning to to have that, that pride once again in our ancestors, because our ancestors fought a battle for us to be able to focus in on healing because they recognized that, that the children and the women were a priority in the community. And so they began to do the work. They they started off the the marches they started off you know the advocacy and the grassroots and um you know we couldn't be here talking about these issues here today if it wasn't for them mm-hmm. and so i always honor and acknowledge my ancestors well i greatly appreciate you saying that and i also want to to greatly appreciate you uh as a woman leader uh heading up the the ontario native women's association and coming to speak with us today and uh, all women, and I have always thought that uh, women were always the stronger of the two. Uh, so it's great to see you in this position. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today on everything we spoke about. And I certainly hope, that Coro, we can do this again in the future. Oh, definitely. Thank you. It was uh, great having a conversation here with you today, and hopefully I brought some, some new knowledge to the table today. Well, uh, Chimi Gwech, we thank you so much. And we're going to go out with uh, a song that you requested, uh, one that is very near and dear to us here at Element FM. It's a rumble. So thanks again for joining us. We look forward to speaking with you again in the near future. Oh, Miigwech. That was Coralie mcguire Siret. She is the Executive Director of the Ontario Native Women's Association. We're going to take a break for this song that she requested. And as I say, it's near and dear to us here at Element FM. It is Rumble. And we will come back after that and have our next guest here in the studio. Don't go away. Thanks for joining us out there in Radioland in uh, Ottawa and Toronto and elsewhere. You could be listening, of course, anywhere across the country if you've downloaded the Radio Player Canada app. I want to welcome, uh, we had a very nice uh, little greeting here as our two guests uh, came into the studio. We have Kim Wheatley. She's the Artistic Director of the Indigenous Arts Festival with us, as well as Cheryl Blackman, and she is a festival organizer. So uh, they're part of this Indigenous Arts Festival that's coming up at Fort York uh, for the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. I know that they're very excited because... They were very uh, energized when they came in the room. So I know they're pumped about what's going on. And, you know, I just want to say that we we have listeners in Ottawa. And, of course, it's great that we have listeners. Maybe some of them will make it down to the festival. However, I also want to just say that because we're getting into the summertime, there's there's festivals all over the place. There's stuff happening all over the place. And people, if they can't make it to this festival, just to look locally, because they're going to be able to find something going on, I'm sure, right, that mm-hmm. is going to be similar in nature, especially with uh, June 21st coming up. Oh. National Indigenous People's Day. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Kim, welcome. It's great to see oh, you. Oh, greetings, <laughs> greetings, greetings. Anin bonjour, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. Sego, tanse, wache, kwe, kwe. And the list goes on. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, and Cheryl, welcome. I'm really pleased to be here and thrilled to be at Element FM. Well, thank thank you for saying that. It's great to have you both here. Do you speak in the two official languages? So, yes, of course I would love to. (laughs) Hello, bonjour, bonjour. Thank you. (laughs) Great. Great that you're here. So, where do you want to start? What do you want to tell us? So, uh, 
I, I want to start everywhere because that's kind of how my <laughs> brain works. It's kind of scattered. But, you know, it's really exciting to be here, David. It's important that we have an opportunity to share publicly the, the kinds of activities that are taking place across uh, the city, mm. uh, across the province, and, of course, across the country. Uh, it's not only National Indigenous Peoples Day on June 21st, but it's solstice, right? And this yeah. is a very important spiritual time for us. And as Indigenous people uh, across the across the country and indeed across the continent, we are spiritual people first. And we really honor our sacred time uh, with, with the earth and with the elements, uh, pun intended there, but uh, also with each other, right? Mm-hmm. This is a relationship building time and a renewal of relationship and a transition of relationship because now the seasons are going to change and the energy of the planet changes. And it seems like at this time, people start to really ramp up, not only in their energy base, but in their willingness to reach out and reinforce the relationships that we have with each other. And we know that we're one big family across the country. So Ottawa, they're our sisters and brothers. Toronto, we're your sisters and brothers. Canada, same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want to get into some specifics about what's happening? So, so in Toronto itself, of course, mm-hmm. we've got the um, the inaugural. I guess no, it's not inaugural. It's annual. The annual. In- mm-hmm. Indigenous Arts Festival mm-hmm. 2019 at Fort York. Woo, woo. <laughs> um, it's been going on for a long time. This is the seventh year with that titling, mm. and before that, it used to be called the Strawberry Festival. Right. Um, this is Strawberry Moon in in our territory, and you know, Strawberry Moon is from our lunar calendar. We've transitioned into the Indigenous Arts Festival. And as we've transitioned, we've certainly grown as a festival. We have a wide variety of activities for people to participate in. It's welcoming. It's free. I'm going to say that again. It's free. Uh, We've already started with the students. So um, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, we're really student-centered and focused. And we're inviting all ages to come in and have um, interactive experiences, uh, be able to talk to us, take pictures, uh, learn the truth about what uh, our historic relationship is to land, but also our contemporary contributions. Yeah. Mm. And so I, I like that we're covering um, history, we're covering contemporary existence, and we're showing who we are in the great diversity of mm-hmm. who we are. Yeah, definitely. If I could add, Kim, I think, you know, it was great for me yesterday to be at Fort York and to be able to see the the, the festival being set up. And to see the school kids going through, like that aspect of truth and teaching Mm. is really what underpins this whole entire event for us. We want to make sure that as City of Toronto, working in partnership with Indigenous communities, Inuit, Métis communities, that we are really emphasizing the importance of telling the truth and making that the center point of our reconciliation. So when you come out and see Fort York and it, and all the folks who are gathering there, right. it's exciting, and it will be even more exciting when the community comes and meets us there this weekend. Yeah, and that's a really good point, Cheryl. Mm-hmm. It, it's reconciliation in action, that's right. and it does reflect the three nationally recognized groups, First Nations, Métis, and Inuit. And I think that's really important because there's great diversity amongst us, and sometimes for students in mm-hmm. particular, it's really hard to grapple with the enormity and the diversity of what that that is and they don't have to do that at the festival they just have to come and have fun and through that fun interactive experience they get to learn about who we are yes. how many students would you say if you have a guess how many students might be passing oh. through to see this and, and, and any given day about 500 every oh. day so oh. it's a it's a large large number mm. some booked and some just drop in and mm. of course the public is welcome right. the whole yes, time right. we start right at 10 o'clock and we're on the ball solidly mm-hmm. until 2 30 in the mm-hmm. afternoon mm-hmm. but our vendors are there until five right 
Um, it's a beautiful venue, just yes. stunning visually. And, of course, it has great historic significance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned vendors, and that means food, of That's course. Right. Uh, not just food. We've got craft vendors. <laughs> That's right, of, yeah. course. of course. I mean, food's important. Our bellies are really important, right? <laughs> we, we, we all have really good bellies in, in Nishnabe circles. But, um, yeah, there, there's, there's traditional food options there, some real good holistic food mm-hmm. options mm-hmm. there. We've got some really friendly food providers, mm-hmm. but we've also got vendors and we've got visitors from local Mm -hmm. organizations who are as well hosting an engagement opportunity Mm -hmm. uh, in particular I'm going to speak about Council Fire and the three beautiful teepees that they brought oh my goodness they're just stunning they're hand painted Mm. and there are activations inside each teepee you can take it's a great photo op so you know you Mm. want to bombard the the city of Toronto with the photo ops (laughs) But for the children themselves, they get to go in and they get to learn about something. There's make and takes for them. Mm. And that's always great. And again, everything is free. That's right. Uh, But what in the city is free anymore? Indigenous Arts Festival. That's right. (laughs) And I think what's really exciting as well is just the the variety of engaging opportunities to participate. Mm. You know, I was there yesterday and we had um, this Project of Heart collaborative art mural. And seeing all the beautiful young people oh. gathered around the tables and taking turns at being able to be building pieces that are going to go into that art mural. Mm. And really, this is an intergenerational opportunity mm. for, your, for your children, for your young people, for your elders, for everybody to come together and learn together. Right. And there's cool technology pieces there as well. Mm-hmm. Badabin is there, First Light Interactive VR project. Mm. So you get to, you're getting all of the past, the present, and the future coming together at Fort York over the festival. And, and across a, a multicultural audience. So I want to I go back to the Project of Heart. Yeah. This is a really significant project. This project uh, honors and remembers children who died in residential schools. So mm. each tile that's created is in memory of a child whose, whose name we no longer speak. Mm-hmm. And each, each child who comes and creates this tile, they learn a little bit about that before they create this beautiful memorial piece. And then collectively, we'll create almost like a mosaic of all the different tiles that are collected and the, and the words and the images and um, the relationship that's built between those children. They're our future. And if we're going to build a better relationship with the city of mm-hmm. Toronto and really reinforce why this is important, uh, we want our children to know this. We want to plant the seeds now. And so as they mm-hmm. grow their garden of understanding, they're able to come back and say, hey, you know what? I came to the festival five years ago and I learned this. And now this is what I'm doing. Relationships in this country have to change across the board. And I believe that the festival is vitally important because it helps to save lives, change lives, and reinforce relationships. That's right. And the City of Toronto is really committed to having a strong relationship with all communities, First Nations, Métis, and Inuit. And I'm really, really proud of that effort, Mm -hmm. that committed effort, that heart-centered effort. But we also need to include all of the multicultural children and schools and teachers that come to our event. So it's not just the students that are learning. Mm. The adults are learning. And then, you know, when we when we get to National Indigenous Peoples Day, which is June 21st, that's kind of like the height of the height of, right. of activities and events that take place at the fort. Because everybody's rushing around looking to, to experience something, to see something, to engage in some way. And at the fort, we've got a little bit of everything there. Mm-hmm. We've got Ogichita. Ogichita is traditional weaponry. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you get a bit of a, a foundational historic introduction mm-hmm. to, to the weapons, um, how to safely handle them. And then you get to throw a tomahawk. <laughs> 
not at a person, but <laughs> at a board. And, and the looks on the children's faces when they realize, you know, the brilliance of not only our technology, but the way that we mm-hmm. conducted ourselves historically and the value we had in those those traditional items that we right. would have used. I'm also thinking about um, B. Dobbin, and you mm-hmm. had mentioned that lightly, and, you know, that, that virtual experience of what Toronto could look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, remarkable experience. And we're using a lot of modern technology today to, to kind of capture you know, how, how we would see the world and, wh- and why we could see the world in that manner. The other thing I really want to highlight mm-hmm. is the Moccasin Identifier Project. This is a brilliant project. This project was conceptualized by Carolyn King from the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. And her goal is to put our foot on the ground everywhere in this country and indeed across um, the continent. And they have these beautiful templates of moccasins and they're really diverse. We don't all wear the same type of moccasins. But those those diversity tell you about the nation, the tribe, the territory you might come from. And I really believe that when we place our feet on the ground in that good way and we include that for students, for teachers, for schools, it's now a school program and you get to come and learn about it here at Fort York. We're connecting past present and future in such a meaningful way. So I'm really excited about that project. I'm going to pause you guys yeah. right there for a moment, if you don't mind. Mm. And I'm so happy you've got all this stuff you're willing to share, and it's <laughs> rolling off your tongue. We have to take a pause just for sure. a couple of uh, moments, mm-hmm. but we will be right back. So please don't go away. We'll be right back we'll after this. <laughs> okay, we are back on a Moment of Truth and Element FM. Perhaps in that last uh, break, you may have ran to grab a piece of paper to write things down with if you're so inclined. Or maybe you went to get your uh, device of choice so you could check out what we've been talking about online because my guests here in the studio have been just firing off all kinds of stuff (laughs) at a blisteringly fast rate. (laughs) And it's much appreciated. It's so great that you guys are so excited about what's going on. Uh, about the Indigenous Arts Festival and and these three days that are coming up. And there is a lot going on. And just want to mention again, we have people outside of our area. And maybe, you know, maybe they're not even uh, in the province of Ontario. Maybe Mm -hmm. they're listening somewhere out west and Mm -hmm. they're going, hey, this sounds great. Well, I'm sure you can find out some local stuff that is going to be going on in your your area Mm -hmm. that is Indigenous-based, especially with uh, uh, June 21st coming up. I hope hope wherever you are in the country, you look for something to align yourself with. This yeah. is the time to renew relationships and restore the kind of relationship we should have had. So uh, I thank you very much for, for saying that. And the other thing I want to mention is that if, you, uh, if you're wondering what we're talking about, I'm sure there's a website that people can go to to check oh, all yeah. this stuff yeah. out online and see what's going on and get yes. the, uh, the lowdown and see when things are happening. We've got a strong public presence for sure. But, you know, I think it's really important that um, we recognize that the City of Toronto produces the Indigenous Arts Festival in partnership with the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation and the Friends of Fort York. Uh, The festival is also presented by Tim Hortons with financial support from the Government of Canada and sponsorships from CN, Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corporation and Stantec. Um, without their support, we would not be able to hold this festival. And we're always very grateful mm-hmm. for their contributions. And I would certainly add that if folks are trying to find out more about the festival, mm-hmm. they can go to www.toronto.ca slash IAF. IAF. And they will get tons of information there about what's happening, right. you know, kind of the rundown of wh- what, when, and where, and how. Right. All right. IAF is the acronym for Indigenous Arts Festival. No that's way. what we're talking about. No way, is Ooh, it? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so listen, I want to. I also want to mention that I'm, I'm I'm happy you mentioned the council fire and what they've got going on because right. we're actually going to be speaking with them tomorrow. About Fantastic. What's going on. So yeah, yeah. They they have an incredible uh, representation of not only their current projects but you know who we are culturally, who we are technologically. And I'm really, really happy that we have mm. that relationship. But we also have some really um, big major things happening on Saturday and Sunday. So this is a full roster of events. Um, so we, we've stretched it out to Sunday this year. And, mm. and on the main stage, every night, Friday and Saturday night, so that's every night um, on the weekend, we have some really high performance uh, musicians mm. that come from across the country, and I need to mention them all. Yes, so please. we have the Toronto Métis Jiggers, which is Toronto's most recognized Métis dance collective, and they are so fun. Um, and they're young, so it's really inspiring to watch them. Mm. We have Fawn Big Canoe. Mm. We have the First Nations DJ, uh, Brent Thomas Diablo, and the Ramblers. Classic Country and Rockabilly Band. Whoa, that sounds so much fun. Dave Mowat and the Curbside Shuffle. They're a blues band. Mm. They rocked it uh, last year at the, the Masters Indigenous Game. And then we're going to press the repeat button this year here. <laughs> Beatrice Deer, she's a traditional mm. Inuit throat singer. Right. And Quantum Tangle, yeah. they're a Juno award-winning group. Yeah, Really, really exciting lineup. And it's all free. I'm going to repeat that. It's all free. This event happens every year at this time. And it's always free. Mm. So, you know, find a way to get here. Yeah. The powwow that's happening on Saturday. Yes. Oh my gosh, heart of my hearts. Uh, Native men's residents, Nami Res, they always hold an amazing powwow. I would venture to say that it's the largest powwow in Toronto. They usually have well over 200 dancers, all ages, all styles. It's professionally run. MC is Bob Goulet. Hang on, did you say 200? Yeah, 200. Wow. It's big. It's really big, yeah. and it, it's well-established. The city really supports it. All of the various First Nations organizations come out, and they have vendors' booths, and they have educational opportunities. They have lots of fun um, dances that the public yeah. can mm -hmm. come and try. So it's not just a watching activity. It's a participation activity. And, you know, something that you just mentioned that I think that people overlook, they don't necessarily think it's a big part of this, but in fact... The MC, Bob Goulet, he's a great MC. Oh, he's, oh, he's a, a fabulous right? MC. So he's going to be not only entertaining, but he's going to be informing people and educating people, as 100%. he always does. 100%. In yeah. such a beautiful, honorable way. And he recognizes, you know, um, all levels of development. So he always holds up our mm -hmm. young people are trying to step forward and hold that public space as well. And I love that about him. Mm -hmm. um, and and we're going to we're expecting great weather this year. So yes. it's going to yeah. be fantastic. Yes. And the amount of people that come I, grand entries at noon. So you need to come well before yeah. then to secure yeah, a good yeah. seat. Mm -hmm. It goes right through to six and then they have a wow. big community feast, which is amazing. And it's inclusive. Everybody gets a chance to to come in and feast with us, have some really good indigenous food. So folks, I think what you're hearing is if you're if you're in earshot of this, you want to try and make it. Uh, the other thing I would recommend is just bring a tent and set up. Just stay there for the whole weekend. Yeah, just stay for the whole day. <laughs> you know what? There's a couple more performers that I yes, want to please. mention. Amanda Room, she's a singer-songwriter. Oh, yeah? mm -hmm. Jakota, he's coming from Ottawa. So you see Ottawa's representing here in Toronto. <laughs> he's a hip-hop performer. And Midnight Shine, which is oh, yeah. a northern rock band. So we've got a wide variety of musical yeah. opportunities for people for all genres of music. And we're going to, again, reinforce the invitation. Please come down and visit us. That's right. Please tweet us when you come down. Instagram us, mm -hmm. uh, make sure that we're we're sharing with each other on social media um, and, and just have a really good time. That's 
You know, the other thing I just want to jump in and say, uh, the two artists, two of the three artists there, you mentioned uh, Amanda and and Midnight Shine. Of course, we're big supporters of here at Element FM. We give them lots of airplay. And it's so nice to be able to hear these names that we are able to support here at the radio station and here they are out there doing stuff as well so it's great you got to include Dakota part. then he's amazing he he's he's a real live wire him and uh man he he holds the crowd like no other and you know he, what he does is he also brings some really powerful political social messages mm. to the forefront i mean we are on the heels of uh the missing and murdered indigenous women's yep. national uh, inquiry report being released. And yep. we're also trying to traverse the TRC report. And we've yep. got all of these political reports about who we are and these calls to action. Well, one of the, the ways you can follow those calls to action is just to literally come to this and get to know who we are. Talk to us. See, you know, what we think and how we feel about things. And let's really, again, reinforce and restore the rightful relationship we should have had from the get-go. Kim Chimiguach for saying uh-huh. that. I really appreciate you saying that because... Um, I I think it's important, and you're you're so right that it is on the heels of that report, and the, the TRC is important, and all of these things tie into our daily lives. They That's absolutely right. do, and they save lives. Yes, right. We need to save lives. Our youth are leaving us at astronomical numbers, mm-hmm. and they need to know they have a place of belonging and a place of welcome. Fort York's just one of the many options that the City of Toronto provides, you know, and, and Element does its part by featuring some of their, their gifts. But we, it's teamwork that makes the dream work, and we all need to play our part and do our part and choose. You know, intent travels ahead of physical action, so we need to intend well, and that's what we will meet, and I'm intending well. Yeah. You know, uh, oh, I forgot what I was going to say now. You <laughs> <laughs> were rolling out with these great cameras. I'm going, oh, i got to remember that well, one. <laughs> I, I, I believe that we're all grains of sand on a beach of change, and we need to do our part. Like, like, like let, let's one. do our part now. Yeah, Stop right. waiting. You don't need an invitation. You have an open invite. We're doing our best. We're running out of time, Cookie, but you know what? I want to say that uh, what I did want to say was what you're talking about and what we're talking about here is not just for Indigenous people, this is a Canadian thing. Yes. Everybody needs to get involved. Yes, yes. This is an everyday thing. This yes. is an everyday commitment. This is an everyday intention. And, and every culture inclusion. That's right. All yes. right, check it out online at toronto.ca backslash IAF. Yes, and that's uh, for Indigenous Arts Festival. We're out of time, folks, but it's been so great Ooh, having you, you here. So Chimmy Gwach. This has been an honor. Hope to see you there, everybody. All Looking right. forward to it. Keep listening. I also want to say Nyawa Miigwech Wanishi and thank you to everyone who helps put Moment of Truth together. They include in Ottawa, Jill Kennedy, Aidan Wolf, and Caroline O'Neill. In Toronto, Janet Lamb, Andrew Johnson, Luca Capone, Kathy Zabokin, Bruce Barber, Andrew St. Germain. Nyawa Miigwech, and thanks for listening. This show was brought to you in part by APTN.